0: your eyes to your feet, please, with the scriptures in your hand, and turn it with me to the book of Hebrews, chapter 4, for our lesson this morning. Such a joy to see you in this second service, to see your love for the Lord and your worship, and the fact that we are just getting ourselves ready for the greatest day the world has ever known, the coming of the Lord. But until then, these services help us to know His Word, live His Word, and overcome Satan. Good to see all of you here. Always good to see brother and sister Kelly. A pleasure to have you visit with us and your family. And I know you're probably tired because you've probably come from San Antonio directly and headed home. Mentioning San Antonio causes me to to say to you, because I mentioned last week that the Church of God General Assembly would convene in San Antonio, which is the place that so many ministers from around the world uh, come together once every two years for the ministry of the word, for the business of the church for the fellowship of the saints, and other kinds of things that we do once every two years, including electing our international leaders for the denomination. It was a wonderful meeting. It was blessed of God. Services were good. Uh, I told somebody this morning, not everything went my way, but I'll be fine. Uh, but I, I feel wonderful about what God did there. And, and the highlight for me was my, the opportunity I had, the privilege I had, to participate in uh, the morning prayer services at the General Assembly, but people from all over the world, gather early in the morning to pray. And they gathered at the Alamo Dome and two large rooms uh, from different cultures and prayed and wept and walked and laid down in the spirit and stood up. And I walked in and I just started weeping because I was overwhelmed by the anointing of the Lord. And so I'm better for that and for a lot of other things, but thank God for the church and what He's doing. Uh, before we read, let me highlight to you that next Sunday morning during the 11 o'clock service, we will give opportunity and and minister uh, the rite and the sacrament of water baptism for the ordinance of that call of God for the church to baptize those in water who've been converted. If you've never been baptized in water, you need to be baptized in water because Jesus not only commanded it, Jesus gave the example of His own baptism. If you want to know more about water baptism and what it means, I'll conduct a class this Wednesday evening in A103. For those who would be candidates of water baptism, we'll have the regular Bible study here for those who do not need to be baptized because you already have been. But if you have been baptized many years ago or, or somewhere in the past and, and you went out from that, went back into a life of sin or, or such and have since come back to God and would like to be rebaptized, rededicate yourself, that's also an option for you and I pray that you would consider that. Register your name at the atrium and the booklet that's there. Let us know you're going to be baptized. Bring your family and others. Let them witness a powerful service 11 o'clock next Sunday. We'll have all three services of water baptism in the third. I'm reading through the book of Hebrews, and I cannot go past this without sharing it with you uh, because it's rich in what it is, as all the Word is. Hebrews chapter 4, please. I might have already said that. You see it on the screen. Verse number 14. The Bible says here, seeing that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. Amen, church? For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. And here's the invitation. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Amen, church? Bow for just another moment. Father, I really ask you today to let these words leap out of the pages and the understanding of this scripture into our ears and our minds and our hearts. I confess my need for you, Lord. While I may stand here somewhat uh, appearing to be confident and assured, I confess that I am in need of you, nervous and afraid, that I would do injustice to this Word or not come up to the standard that You require. But, Lord, help my weaknesses and my infirmities and all of us. Say, Amen, church. Amen. Oh, Heavenly Father, a few verses uh, uh, prior to this, it says the Word of God is living and powerful. Make it that way. Amen, church. Uh, let the Word be sharper than any two-edged sword to, to the people today, piercing even the division of our souls and spirit. Let the Word be a discerner of truth. Father, people came here to be encouraged. People came here to be lifted up. People came here to leave their burdens. They came here, God, to bring some stuff that they could never solve on their own. or they don't know anybody else who can but Jesus. And you will never disappoint us. Do not let them look to me or me look to them. But let us all together look unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. And everybody who would do that, say amen. 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 And you may be seated. Thank you so very much. There is this wonderful description here in these three verses of Jesus the great high priest that is taken from the Old Testament regarding the place of worship and the priest who led people in worship, taken from the true practice of what was in the Old Testament, God's instruction to His people about how to worship And who should lead them into worship. And the writer of Hebrews lifts it in the New Testament and does it for the purpose of helping us to understand what a great Savior we have in Jesus Christ. When the Lord, when God delivered the people of Israel out of Egypt, he provided a detailed description of how they should worship Him in the tabernacle and then eventually in the temple. A significant part of the Israelites from the tribe of Judah was selected by God to be priests of God. The job of the priest was to serve the Lord in the tabernacle, later in the temple, and the priest would offer the sacrifices brought by the people So the people would bring their offering of grain or of animals and give them to the priest who would present them to God. The priest in the Old Testament had the responsibility of presenting the people to God. The priest was a sort of go-between between the people and God. Among all the priests who were chosen there was one particular person who was chosen to be the high priest. He had a greater responsibility than the other priest. It is this great high priest, or just the thought of high priest, that the writer of Hebrews builds on when referring to Jesus Christ. And here in these three verses we actually introduced to the next five chapters of the book of Hebrews, which give detailed description and discussion about Jesus, the high priest. In these three short verses, the author gives us a lot of content that if we don't go beyond these three verses, we still have enough here to understand that Jesus is better than any prophet, priest or king that preceded him. I wish somebody would say amen. And what I'm going to do, by the help of the Lord, and let the, the Word preach its own self, is try to describe to you that you have, on August 10, 2008, a great high priest in the person of Jesus Christ, that regardless of what the devil or the world or the flesh throws at you today or tomorrow that Jesus Christ is fully adequate to give you grace and mercy in the time of your need. I guess what I'm trying to tell you this morning by describing the great high priest Jesus is that Jesus is the calm for your chaos. You might want to write that down. And so... Here's here's what I want you to see. The book of Hebrews, and I don't want to take a lot of time in giving an introduction, but the theme of the book of Hebrews can be phrased in one word. You write this down. The word is better. Everybody say better. The book is one comparison after another of Christ and the things the Jewish people revered. So while I won't go there, let me just give you an example. For instance, in, in Hebrews 1, verses 4 through 7, it is said that Jesus is better than the angels. Can you say amen to that? Then in in chapter 3, verses 1 through 6, Jesus is described as the Son of God, better than Moses, the servant of God. Moses was great, but Jesus is better. Somebody say Amen. And then in our text, we are told about the priesthood of Jesus. The priesthood of Jesus was better than the priesthood of Aaron of the Old Testament. Jesus is better, and He's still better. So so here's what I want you to to see. I want you to see six descriptions of our great high priest, and then I want you to see what that means for us. Who is this priest, Jesus? Number one, He is called in verse 14, a great high priest. Look in your Bibles. Seeing then that we have a great high priest. What we find here is, as I said moments ago, the high priest of the Old Testament had responsibilities beyond that of the regular priest of the temple. The high priest of the Old Testament was responsible to go into the most holy place of the temple once a year on the Day of Atonement to offer up sacrifices and offerings and incense to God on behalf of all the people of Israel. No other priest. There was only one priest, high priest I should say, who could go into the holy place. Prior to going in there, in Leviticus 16, we're told about some of the responsibilities of the high priest on the Day of Atonement, which we now know as Yom Kippur. Prior to going in there, Leviticus 16 says that this priest would be provided two goats, two animals, goats in particular. On the Day of Atonement, he would offer up one goat on the altar in the outer court as a sacrifice for the sins of the people. Thus transferring all the sins of Israel on this one goat, offering it up on the altar, collecting all of its blood and taking a portion of its blood in a bowl or a vessel. And later on, he would go into the most holy place. There was the outer court, the inner court, and the most holy place where he alone could go where the Ark of the Covenant of God was, as I shared a little bit about last Sunday. And he would go from the sight of the people into the presence of the Most Holy God and sprinkle the blood of the one goat that was sacrificed for the sins of the people on the altar. The other goat, there was two of the other goat, that later became known as the scapegoat, He would speak over it, enumerating all the sins of the people of Israel. He would speak over this other goat, words like rebellion, disobedience, witchcraft idolatry, sexual sins, everything the high priest could think about that the people might have indulged in in disobedience to God, he would speak it over the other goat. And then this goat would be... I just had a thought. This goat would be let out in the wilderness and left to wander indefinitely. Carrying the sins of the people away from the people. The symbol was that the high priest went to God to separate the sins of the people as far as they, he could by placing it on the animal to go. The thought I had is, thank God he's got my goat. Just, just thought I'd tell you that. Uh, one of those goats, both of those goats cover me. Can, can you can you go ahead and just humor me? And, yeah, yeah, yeah. I am telling you that to say this to you. Jesus is the great high priest. In the New Testament, the the, the covenant, the new covenant, there's no need for goats and lambs and bullocks. Jesus not only provided for our atonement, he was our atonement. Jesus became not the goat sacrifice but the lamb of god slain on calvary's hill where all of his blood as we know about drained out